January 4th. Lots going on in the world today. I just found out that my aunt passed away this morning. And so that's not traumatic since she's probably in her almost 90 years old. And, uh, but my mom texted me, but I've been texting my cousins and stuff. I didn't get to text my one cousin who's the daughter, but we were a very close family up until my grandmother passed away. But anyway, that was something that was totally unexpected today. And you're just telling me now. Yeah, yeah, I know you walked in, we're sitting down. (laughs) We're talking for a few minutes and you just spring this on me. Yeah. So no, I just, so that's, that's just what the world is today. How's everyone doing? I think, okay. Mom, mom seemed to be okay. I talked to my cousin, Carlene out in uh, the Boston area and, and she's just like, it's, it's just weird. Cause her dad is older, I think, or yeah. yeah, he's older. So it would have been Annette and my mom and my uncle Russell who are alive. And then Kenny, her dad, and, uh, he has cancer and we just mm-hmm. found out we didn't think he was going to make it, but he's been able to handle the treatments and everything right. else. So, wow. So Unexpected. Yeah. yeah. So it's different thinking about death with, uh, being non-religious, but we can save that save that topic for another another time because I'm dying to get into today today's topic. Yeah, me too. This is something that I'm really passionate about, something I have a lot of experience in. So today we're going to be discussing body positivity, body acceptance, um, eating disorders, kind of everything that goes along with that. It's just been a really prevalent um, topic and trial in my life that I think probably everyone can relate to in just some small way maybe well it's funny too i was i was thinking about being a child and playing sports and my nickname was heavy healthy because (sighs) of my size and i hated it and that's why in high school i started to lift weights and i lifted all the time and in the 80s you know nobody was doing the stuff i was doing and bench pressing what i was doing in my frame and and i did it all because i didn't like being picked on no, don't get me wrong. Right. I enjoyed where I took myself and I became addicted to it and loved every bit of it. But it's been something though that sits in the back of my head. And it's funny because I got up, you know, I kind of discussed talking about this last week and I got up and I hopped on the scale because I knew I'd probably gained a couple pounds in the last two weeks. And so I needed to get on there. And then I thought, what am I doing this for? I know how I feel. I know what I want to feel like. And I know how I've eaten. There's no reason for me to even shame my body into anything else and just say, hey, if I want to change, I can change. If I don't want to change, I don't have to. Yeah. What does that number even mean? That that number has no correlation to your health. That number literally means nothing. That is your pull on gravity on earth. That's that my is, mass. Yeah, that's what it is. That's literally what that number is when you step on a scale. It has nothing to do with your health or how much you exercise. Like that little known thing when I was growing up, I had no idea that muscle weighs more than fat. I had no idea. So if you are working out all the time and you are lifting weights and you're gaining weight, you could be terrified because you're stepping on the scale and you could be getting so much stronger. But you're not thinking about that because you're trying to make that number dwindle. So I'm so glad that you brought that up because that scale just means absolutely nothing. I do not have a scale. I have not weighed myself in years. And when I go to the doctor, I just step on the scale backwards and they know you don't have to say anything. They know immediately that that doesn't matter to you, that number, and they just go about their doctor's visit. So, Well, and last week, let's let's talk about maybe if you don't mind, let's go back to your high school years. Let's go back yeah. to when, when it all first started because you showed me that picture last week was something I hadn't seen before, but I do remember, you know, how yeah. you looked in high school and I can see you right now. And, you know, had you not shown me the pictures, the correlation wouldn't be there because I know it. who you are. Yeah. 
So the reason we are talking about this is because I have an eating disorder. I'm in recovery. I've been in recovery for quite some time, but it took me a long time to get here. Um, Through therapy and counseling and doing a lot of work, I've been able to like pinpoint where my eating disorder started. And if you guys don't know this, and I think Helvi, you know, I was a child actress and model. I was on TV with three of my sisters or two of my sisters, the three of us moved out to California with our mom and we auditioned every day. We lived there for about two years, just trying to make it, trying to be famous. And I think it's more known now how hard it is and how challenging and how grueling it is behind the scenes. But back then, just no one talked about how terrible it is to be a child actress or a child model. You are criticized about everything you do. No matter what you do, it is criticized. It is altered. It is critiqued in order for you to be better. And you go to competitions. We went to a competition called the International Modeling and Talent Association competition called IMTA. And that is where like Ashton Kutcher was found like lots of people and we went there to be famous and we placed we all place out of thousands of people there me and my two sisters placed so that gave the agents and the managers something like okay hey these girls know what they're doing and so that was when we moved to california and we got all of this attention from them and so for me that was the thinner i am the more critiqued i am the more hard i work the more i am perfect the more I'm loved, the more I get attention, the more people want to be around me. And I was like seven or eight when this belief was just planted in me. So that was really the start of the eating disorder. And then years go by and lots of different things um, contributed, but that was really the start. So when I was your student, my junior year, I was still full flown in an eating disorder, having just gotten out of eating disorder treatment like six months prior when you met me. Can you believe that? Well, that's funny because I do remember you saying something about the eating treatment disorder. And I don't think I still even with my background with chiropractic school and the things that they taught us, I didn't, I didn't really think about it because I didn't, I didn't see you as a person having problems because I saw you being very successful and not even thinking with the things that I'd been through that she goes home at night. And she has to face the demons. She has to face those, those things that were told to her. Um, I just, it just, it blows me away. The things that we miss even as an adult in that situation. And I don't know if I could have helped. Oh, I don't think so. I mean, there's nothing anyone could have done except for me and, or Duke really, because I healed myself because of my son, but there, I don't think there's anything anyone could have done except for my parents, they were the ones like it was their responsibility to, to do something about it. You know, does it, does it help you? Cause I know when I go through therapy, trying to pinpoint some things to try and get my head straightened out, does it help you knowing when this started? Does oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because I think beforehand it was like, why, why don't I want to eat? Why? And you, well, you don't even really think about it. You don't think, why don't I want to eat? It's just, I'm not going to eat that today. You know, or I'm not going to do this today or I'm going to run 22 miles or bike 22 miles. I used to bike like 60 miles a day on a stationary bike every day and eat like 800 calories. It was totally anorexic and my 
I was rewarded for it. Both of my parents rewarded me for doing that, which is so unhealthy and so toxic. And I, I was yeah. going to ask a question. Did your, did your parents even notice that you weren't eating? Okay. Yes, they did. Yeah. And they were rewarding you for that, yeah. that, that bad behavior. Yes. And that was another reason why I continued to do it because I was getting rewarded for it. And it was just like back with the modeling and acting even though it was like painful and you were being critiqued and you were being told you're not enough, you need to do better. It was, but I'm, at least I'm getting attention. And like with the way I grew up with seven siblings, you just, you had to fight for attention. It was crazy. Wow. And then did it, it, so it moved in from those adolescent years into the teen years and then into the young adult years and then into the adult years or did it stop some? Oh no. So when I was, 15, I went into eating disorder treatment. I was in full denial. I had no idea I had an eating disorder. Um, like at that time, I was kind of a troubled kid. We talked about in our first um, episode as a little bit of a rebel before I came to merit. Um, and then I guess I kind of chilled out. But back then, I was a little bit more of a rebel with my friends, really just seeking attention as a teenager would do who's feeling confused and unloved. And one of the ways I did that was going to parties and things with friends. So my mom, in an effort to control, not help, basically dropped me off at a treatment center. And basically the closest one was the eating disorder treatment center. It was like two miles from the house. So any day we went on an outing at the treatment center, I would drive by my house, which was so hard. Like I could have just left one day, walked out the front door and walked home. But I never did. It was never even tempted because... Being at the training center was better, even though it was so painful and I missed, I want, I'm doing air quotes, missed home. I got healthy attention and that was something, even though I didn't realize it was healthier attention or that I was trying to heal, it was nice. And so I wanted to stay anyway. Um, but back to the point of that is I was into, I went into the uh, eating disorder treatment and I was there for like four and a half months. Um, and then right after that, I moved to Utah. And then like two months later, I started Merit. So I did go to an eating disorder treatment center, but I didn't really heal until, until I got pregnant. Because I think I was still restricting and controlling and over-exercising up until the point I realized I had to um, nourish myself because his life depended on it. So that was really when I was like, okay, bullshit, can't do this anymore. I've got to really focus on healing myself. And just being me, I feel like I've always been an advocate at Merit. I always tried to include people. I was, I don't know if like there was a name for it, but whenever someone was bullied, I was the one who was always called into the office to talk to the student because you don't want to talk to the You're teachers. an ambassador. Yeah. I mean, that's what it really was. You yeah, were an ambassador was, for all the students. I just tried to help and be kind. And no matter the things that were going on, I was still a safe place for people. And that's that was like really good for me to be able to do that. But Duke was the catalyst. Being able to nourish him was like, okay, I'm good to go. I can do this. And obviously it's not the easiest thing in the world. And there's still days where I'm really struggling but like i was saying just me being me i'm an advocate and i've always thought that big bodies are beautiful small bodies are beautiful tall 
short, yellow, purple, whatever you look Nails, like female. does not matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter because you are not your body. It just comes down to simple as that. You are not your body. Yeah, something something that's hard to to learn. You, you talked about it. You made it. You made a shift in your brain. And again, something when you go through therapy, they're always talking about getting that brain to maybe reset. Yeah, cognitive, just, cognitive behavioral therapy (CBT). Yeah, C, CBT. Um, is what it's called. It's like reframing. Thinking about people that might be listening to this, is there? it doesn't have to be one event. So I don't want people thinking no. that there's one event, but is there something that you can help somebody out there right now? What what could be something that you could give to somebody that could maybe help them shift into a brain that might be able to handle something a little better? You know, you said, Duke, you got pregnant. I mean, is that is that it? No, I mean, that was that's that was a really lucky thing for me. That was a big point like a big catalyst in my life that was like hey you have to get healthy because if you're not going to nourish yourself then you're not nourishing your child and growing up in the house and the family I did nourishing and making sure my child is healthy is always my number one goal so that was I was a catalyst I had a catalyst that supported me and encouraged me to heal and I think it's the same for any addiction or any coping mechanism you have to recognize it and understand that it's not healthy. So for me, it was, I could not think I could not do anything. I would shake because I was so just undernourished and I was cold all the time. Like I'm always cold, but like I was freezing. I would get goosebumps constantly. And those are things that really made my life hard because I was missing out on so many things and just being terrified of food didn't want to go out and eat with friends. Having a meal with someone was terrifying. I still sometimes like do not want to go on a first date as a meal because I have food issues, you know? And so I'm like, I would rather meet for coffee or just talk or like walk around a park because that is something I still am working on is food is still kind of scary, you know? And I don't know if that does not answer your question at all, but I think there's not just one thing. There's so many things that you can do to, to help yourself and to grow. Well, that, that's, a, that's a good answer there because I don't want, there's not one trick to helping trauma to the brain. Right. But there's something that we all do that kind of shakes us out of something. So when I hear other people saying something, like you just said something, I hated first dates being food. I didn't want to eat in front of people either because I didn't know if they would like the food. And half the time, I don't like the food. So you just helped me understand something too with, an issue I had with dating. It's like, I, why didn't I think? Go do something else. Yeah, and it's like, even that, that's like a normal thing. And there's so many issues with food that people just don't think about. I didn't You I... don't realize. Yeah, and we had this conversation. Um, actually, last time you mentioned a number on the scale and I stopped you, I interrupted you. And I said, thank you for telling me and I'm sorry to interrupt, but could you please not tell me numbers? Yes. Because if you... um know someone in an eating disorder or you have an eating disorder numbers are terrifying like back to the weight conversation it is absolutely terrifying to see a number on a scale and there's no reason you have to be sharing a number with other people it's so common people do it we don't think about it just because it's done all the time so i would ask everyone if you're listening to this to take a conscious effort i challenge you to not think about the numbers. Don't talk about the numbers. If you step on a scale and it's important to you and you are inspired and you're doing it for a healthy reason, I applaud you. Good job. I am proud of your efforts. 
But if you are posting your numbers or focusing on a, a weight number on that scale because you are terrified of that number, you need to throw the scale out the fucking window. I think that's what, because as, as I'm trying to shift my paradigm with everything that you've talked and after we talked last week, it's really hard because I look at it and I see, well, leave them alone. Let them talk about it. That's their life. They can do what they want to. Yeah. But that's not, that's not the truth to it. The truth is, is that we are looking at something that we're looking at our body and we're saying, I don't feel healthy right now. I want to make a change. And then we start to put things onto it that don't matter to what it is. So instead of saying, I need to weigh X amount or I need to look like something, we can say, you know, today I want to eat maybe a little bit different or today I think I might want to just go check out nature and see what's going on. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe, maybe I'll, I feel like sweating today, but it doesn't have to be tied to this body image thing. Right. And if you are listening to this and you're like, I don't ever fucking weigh myself, you guys are dumb. Maybe for you, it's I have to run one mile in seven minutes or I have to do this many push-ups in 30 seconds. Those could be your numbers because I've had those numbers too. And I used to, when I used to get on the elliptical, it was if I can do five miles in 30 minutes, you know, like something totally unrealistic. But if I could do it, you know, then I would be perfect. Then I would be happy. I would finally have that moment where I would be free to enjoy life. And that's really what it all is, is you're just trying to enjoy life and be happy and you don't know how to do that or you've had trauma for me. That's my experience. And so I was trying to control. The only thing I could control in my life was the food I put into my body. So I didn't put any into my body. Yeah, strange because that's such a a pleasant experience to eat. Food is just such a wonderful thing, but but we go at it. I don't know if this is right and you can correct me, but we go at it in a shameful way. Guilt guilty pleasure and it's like no it's just it's pleasure there's no guilt there's no shame you have to eat to survive yes i don't know why that is such a concept to people but it is and you do not have to work off dessert well i think you hit the nail on the head is it's we both come you know i spent i grew up around television my dad started working at cbs in 1969 i've watched it i worked nine years in the tv business i've been to the the academy awards i've worked i've worked i worked on a show called a different world and I, i look back now and i see all those actresses and how thin they were except for one was not thin and she was okay now i wonder if the other two had eating issues and nobody caught it nobody saw it. they're they're fine i mean i know they're still out there because i've seen them on interviews and stuff but i don't i don't remember hearing anybody talk to the to the women on that set about what to do it was a african-american sitcom and so they they look at the body different than we do but i look back at like all the things that all the shows I worked on and all these actresses I, I hung out with and, and I hang out with, but you know, on, on set yeah. with, and I'm like, Oh my gosh, was it, was it all around me? And it's not like, okay, I can't go back and fix that, but I can be more aware. And that's, that's what I want to do with me is I want to be more aware of what people are doing. And guess what? That number on the scale, it doesn't matter because that's a haunting thing. I can tell you what I weighed in fourth grade. Yeah. Because I tipped the scale. But guess what? I was one of the fastest kids and one of the strongest kids. And my coach would give me the ball. So I got to run with it. But I, yes. I the weight got in my way. And he would call me tank. But it wasn't tank because I was big. It was tank because I ran people over. But again, when those kids came in and started calling me those names, it was horrific. But it did help me change my life. But as I look back now, that's one more thing I'm going to go reprocess now. And and 
change because I know it's different. When I hopped on that scale this morning, I didn't even think until I put the scale back up and I went, why did you really do that? You know how you've been eating. You know what's going on. You've had that discussion with Hannah. You know that Hannah is okay with your body. You know that your wife's okay with your body. We're not talking Hannah and Helms and sexual stuff. We're talking about people who relate to each other with situations. And it's like, why did you even do that? You knew where you were, but that's okay. I'm a, I'll move on past that because I now have that. Yeah, it's been, And I thank you for that. It's been brought to your attention. And so now you can reframe and pivot. 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 <laughs> pivot. Thank you, Ross. Yeah. So again, is, is there anything else that you, you feel like you can say or to anybody out there? And, and the thing too, is that everybody says, talk to the young girls, talk to the, women. no, talk to the guys. I'm sitting here telling you that I think I had a small eating disorder or a, at least body lack of positivity. Right. You disorder. have to say body shame or body. Yeah, I was trying to not use that word shame because I, I hate body I know, shame. And I know that's not in your vernacular. Don't stick to the categories of each thing. So for me, my, my eating disorder is that I am an anorexic. But I, you would look at me and you would not think that because I'm very curvy. You know, I'm a very curvy girl, but in high school I was not. And it's because I was starving myself and focusing on controlling and making myself smaller. But now that I have an acceptance of my body is not who I am, I understand that it has no correlation to my value or my worth. So it doesn't matter what your body looks like or how it moves or jiggles or whatever, your body is beautiful. And you asked me last time, you said, can I ask you a question? Or you said, can I ask you something personal? What do you think of your naked body? And I love my naked body. And that is like mind blowing to me because when I was 15, I was tiny, absolutely tiny. You could see my bones, like my collarbones. I was very small and I was so unhappy and I hated myself. And this is probably the most I've ever weighed. I, again, have no idea. I love my body. And I think it just shows I am so much more happy and I can be myself. And when I was so terrified of eating or doing anything, I lost out on a lot. I lost out on dating in high school. I lost out on being comfortable in front of my friends. I remember I went to a Sadie's dance and we were all changing and it was an 80s theme. And I was like freaking terrified that the non-existent cellulite on my legs was going to turn this boy away from me, that he was going to be so disgusted with me. He was like going to just bail and not want to be on the date with me. Like that is how terrified I was. So I wore leggings underneath my shorts. My whole outfit looked stupid, but I was like, this is the way it has to be. And I look back now and I'm just like, oh my gosh, I feel so, so sad for her. Because she was so concerned with what she looked like and so concerned with what people thought of her. And now I just don't give a fuck, like in the nicest way possible. I just don't give a fuck what anyone thinks of me. Can you, my therapist always tell me, go back and comfort that 12 year old that was, that was hurt. Oh yeah. Can, do you go that. back and you do? Yes. Oh yeah. I've done that. I've had to do that in therapy. I think, um, maybe episode two, we talked about, I went back and I had to kind of heal not only for a younger Hannah, but for that Hannah. And all of the times, every time I post about something on my Happy Hannah page and it makes someone uncomfortable, 
in a positive way, it is for that Hannah, because that Hannah grew up in a world where you had to be skinny. Thin was in you, your weight, your popularity. So I believe that my body was my worth. I did not matter unless I was appealing to the opposite sex. And that is another thing we're taught in our religion here, but just in the culture and the society that we grew up in. I mean, if you look at a magazine, when you go to the grocery store, eight out of 10 on the cover used to say how to attract the opposite sex, how to lose 10 pounds in 10 days. Or if you're looking at the kids' magazines, I don't know if we want to say the names of magazines, but I'm going to say it's Seventeen Magazine. I was in like obsessed with Seventeen Magazine when I was a teenager. And on the cover every single time, it was how to look good at school or how to wear this so your crush notices you. Not let's focus on school, how to apply for college. College is cool. Let's talk about clubs that you could be interested in or College is not the end of the world, you know, because that was another thing. You know, it's it was always about your worth and your looks and how they are tied together. Think about this. And I know there's a big age difference between us, but how many magazines growing up were geared towards guys? None. I would oh. say zero. Oh, guess what? Guess what magazine us guys read? Um, what's it called? Sports Illustrated. And that was okay, before swimsuit edition. That was like the cars ones. Or surfer Playboy. and surfing. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we couldn't get we couldn't get the Playboy and Playboy. So we had surfing, surfer, those two magazines, and we had Sports Illustrated. And yeah. that was again before when I was growing up. That was before the. I think when I was growing up, we didn't have the the swimsuit edition, but we never had anything. It was geared towards our fun, geared towards our pleasure. We had boys' life for Boy Scouting. Oh, yeah. I mean, and women's has always been cooking, house cleaning. That was like how they started. And then it turned into, you have to be pretty. You have to please. You have to be thin. You have to do this. Basically, no matter what the message is, work harder. You're not enough. You're not cooking enough. You're not cleaning enough. That's like what it was in the 50s and 60s and 70s. And then it became, you're not working hard enough or you're not thin enough. Looking you're good not enough. pretty enough. Yeah, you're just, you are not enough. Somebody in the dominant religion here said, and I could pull the quote out so I could put it on air. He told women, you just maybe need to put some lipstick on a little more often. And I was, I was shocked because my wife doesn't wear lipstick. We once had this, this leader of a large congregation tell all the women that they had to wear pantyhose to church. And I looked at Twyla and I was a very active, very strong. And I, looked at her, I said, no, we're not spending the money on stuff because who cares? It's only there for looks. It's there to make your legs look better. And I love your legs the way they are. Oh, just like, no. Yeah. And I did. And I, you know what? I never caught that that was a, a shaming mechanism. That was something that was to bring somebody down to do something, a controlling mechanism for right. somebody else. Yeah, it's totally a controlling mechanism. And it's just perpetuating the belief that your looks are tied to your worth. Oh, my gosh. It's crazy. It was, I was going to ask you a, a question about, you know, in high school, were you doing it for the guys, too? But you answered that beautifully. And then talking about it now though let's say like and i know you said something before about this but i want to just reiterate this thing too if you wanted to change your body frame you have no problem with that changing what my body looks like yes right i mean i i think again it comes back to what are you doing it for why and that i think sometimes too the people in our social circles might look at 
what we say sometimes as saying, no, you can't do this, you can't do that. And that's not what's being said. The message is. Do it for health. Do it for your happiness. Do it because you want to, not because you feel like you need to or because you're pressured to. I think it's really hard, especially with where we live, to challenge the thoughts that we've had. Because we have always been told that if, if you challenge or you question, that is bad. And so we kind of just go along with these crazy toxic beliefs that are in our minds and we don't even realize they're toxic until someone challenges them. And then we immediately go on defensive because that's what we've been taught to do. So it's like this never ending cycle. And we are here, Hannah and Helps, to challenge you and to help you end this cycle because enough is enough. Like Toxic toxicity has been killing the two of us for many, many years. And we're fucking done with it. We're fucking done with it. And what you just, that's why I want you to say, you just said exactly what I was hoping you would say. That was it right there. And we have to challenge what we've been taught. We come from such a different background, but we come from such a same background. And again, our goal is, can we save one life? It doesn't mean somebody from dying, just save them from having that pain for those few minutes or for those few hours or for those few days. Right. And that one thought that you had during this podcast listening today, we were like, oh, I've never thought about it that way. Or, okay, I will take that challenge and throw out my scale. That is going to have a ripple effect because whether you know it or not, let's say you throw out your scale, you are feeling brave and you're like, you know what? Yeah, Hannon helps. I will throw out that scale. And you go throw it out. And then someone's like, why? Your best friend says, why did you throw out your scale? And you're like, because I realized that that doesn't really matter. You know, how much I weigh does not fucking matter. And then they were like, oh, you know what? You're right. I mean, we're talking like this is the perfect ending in a happy world. This is exactly how it would go. But even if it doesn't happen that way, no matter what, you are having a ripple effect, even if you just have that one thought today where maybe I will someday throw that scale out. We need to start an Instagram, Hannon Helves. And we need to do the challenge of show us your, not show us your body. Show us your scale. (laughs) No, not show us your body, but show us, show us how much you love who you are. Yes. I think we need that because it's like, oh, there's that like word. It's, it's, I, it's deeper in my head than I thought when it comes to body shaming, Hannah. It's deeper than I thought. Yeah. And it goes, I think that's for everyone. You have no idea the impact these words or the experiences have on you until you really get down to it. You have no idea. And I'm glad that we can raise a little bit of awareness and that we can discuss this and that we like have the connection where I can call you out and interrupt you and say, hey, don't give me those numbers. Because now we know and we can move forward. And that's really how we came to this topic today is I called you out and I was like, hey, don't use those numbers. Yeah, but you say call me out. You didn't call me out in anger. You didn't call me out in hatred. It was 100% pure love. But guess what? It wasn't love for me. It was love for yourself. Exactly. I have respect for myself and I know I don't have to sit here and make myself feel uncomfortable especially when it's something that like doesn't need to be discussed. You know, like we said, there's no reason like we need to share this information. It's so common that we just do it. But just just because it happens doesn't mean we have to do it. 
If you could give one piece of advice to somebody that's suffering with body positivity, talk to them. You are not your body. That is a really big one, and it can seem terrifying and totally untrue, but what it comes down to is you are not your body. Your body helps you move. It helps you stay still. It helps you meditate. It helps you eat and to laugh and to run and to cry. And it, yeah, you do all these things, but you are not your body. You are your own person. I believe in a soul, a being. And I know if you are listening to this, you believe that is true as well. And you are not your body. You are worthy exactly as you are. You do not have to make yourself smaller or bigger or stronger or anything to get attention. You are worthy exactly as you are right now. That's what I would say. Hannah, thank you. I know you are vulnerable today and you've taught me so much and I'm really grateful that we got to spend this time together. So until next week. Thanks for listening. Be happy. Thank you.